So this morning, as, as Sly mentioned, we're going to have a um, very much shorter service. So what that basically means is I have 12 minutes to say something to you. Now, I don't know if all of you guys know it, but usually like if, if I start to go a little bit long, Sly will give me like this one, like the gentle like kind of hand across the neck. But you guys all kind of give me your own little signal, your own way, like this one. That's your signal, like, okay, it's time. Let's get out of here. Come on. Cut to the chase. What are you trying to say? It's so funny because um, when, when they train you in speaking and hermeneutics and how to, how to preach the word of God, what they want you to do is, listen, if you have to get the message across to the congregation, and the way that you do that is, what is the big idea? What's the main point you want to get across? It's like a one-sentence statement. And then you take 30 to 45 minutes to say one sentence. Is that really necessary? Not always. Sometimes, though. So listen, this morning I'm going to jump right, out in, uh, right into Acts chapter 19. And there's something interesting happening here that the Lord, for whatever reason, brought to my attention this week. And I think there's something that is valuable for us to take a minute and jump into ourselves and just see what the Holy Spirit would want to do there, what he would want to stir within us. And so we're just going to read a few verses from Acts 19, uh, 17 to 20. Now I have 10 minutes. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. And when they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. And in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for the way that you teach us even about yourself through your word. So this morning, I pray that you would illuminate what you want to be illuminated and make it, may it stir our spirits, the thing that you want to stir to action. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. In this chapter of Acts 19, if you want to take some time on your own this week, it was a very interesting story. There's a whole lot of interesting things kind of going on to in, in this chapter. And a lot of the reason for that is this. The book of Acts is, is very interesting because it's called a trans, transitionary book. It's when... Uh, it's a time where like God's people, like the ch- Christian church is morphing and it's changing into something that it never had been before. See, before the book of Acts, in other words, before the day of Pentecost, when God's Holy Spirit came to reside inside of people, people would come and worship God, but the Holy Spirit was this power, this entity that was outside of them. It wasn't inside of them empowering them. So in, in that way, we can't identify with any believer, with any other, other Christian that existed before the book of Acts because they worshiped God completely in a way that was not empowered by the Holy Spirit inside of them. So like the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit could be on somebody, empowering them to do a work, to do a task, but it was external. It wasn't on the inside. But now come the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit came to reside in every believer and his presence is now inside of us. It's not external any longer. And so they know in, in Acts chapter 2, it describes that, that scenario where this began to happen, where as they are all in one place praying, they are waiting for the Lord, and then it says, out of nowhere, a wind, like a storm, blew into the room, and all of a sudden this fire came into the room, and it separated. And as this fire separated, it came to reside over the heads of every individual in the room. 
what in the world is flames of fire over their heads? What is this? Well, in the Old Testament times, in the temple, one of the laws, one of the rules was that that fire, Manny, we were just talking about this the other day, that fire over the altar was instructed, that fire could never go out. That fire was a representation of the presence of God. So the fire in God's temple had to always, the priest had to keep it always going because that was the symbol that God's presence is in his house. Now the disciples knew this, and so when they saw that fire come in and began to reside over every one of their heads, no longer one fire at the altar in the temple, now this fire residing over individuals, they understood what that meant. The presence of God, not external, not something that you go to, but the presence of God is something that is inside of you now, and it goes with you. This was a whole new era for them. So in Acts chapter 19, Paul is traveling around and telling people about Jesus. And it says that when he was in Ephesus, I'm going really fast now. But it says that when he was in Ephesus, he came and he found some believers. And he, he asked them, he said, when you came to believe, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And it's a funny answer because, again, remember, this is a transitionary book. When he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit, he said, they said No. They said, we didn't even know that there is a Holy Spirit. What is that? And what's that all about? See, and he said to them, well, when you came to believe, how were you, what, who were you baptized into? And this group of people, it says that they were baptized in, with John's baptism. They were, they, in other words, they had baptized, were baptized by John, and they had repented for their sin, and they were looking, waiting for their Savior, but... He hadn't come yet. They didn't know anything about him. So Paul said, okay, well, you got half the message. You were baptized by John years ago, but let me fill you in on what has happened since then. And he basically let them know that Jesus has come and died on the cross, and now there is more. And so now they were baptized into Jesus, and they received the Holy Spirit. And once this happened, they're, again, in the city of Ephesus. And as they're in Ephesus, they be- he continued to meet with these believers on a daily basis. It says that they met in a lecture hall, on a daily basis, and they would meet, and they were learning about the Lord, and the message was spreading, and it was increasing, and then it says very strange things even began to happen, and it says this, in 19 verse 11, it says this, that God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to sick people, and they were healed and they were taken to demon-possessed people, and the evil spirits in them were rebuked and had to leave. Bizarre stuff began to happen. So people saw that the power of Jesus that Paul was preaching about was real. It wasn't this concept that just kind of existed in conversation. It was real. It was tan- like literally tangible. Things that touched Paul went and touched people, and they were healed. Bizarre, bizarre things. But people began to see this, and they said, oh, this is interesting. And there were groups of people that even began to take and use the name of Jesus to go and cast out or try to cast out demons from possessed people. And that's where it talks about a few verses ahead. They began to go and, and rebuke demons, it says, by in, in, the, in uh, the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, we rebuke these demons. And so there were these groups of people that would go and do this. Well, one day there was a group of seven men all together who were told about this one man who was demon-possessed. 
These seven men went to the demon-possessed man, and they said this, this same to them kind of incantation, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, we rebuke you. And now all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the demon talks back to them. You can read this, it's in there. And he says, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know him. But who are you? And that one man possessed by these demons got up and beat the living daylights out of all seven of these men and sent them out naked and bleeding into the streets as they ran away and escaped for their lives. And it goes on to say that the people in Ephesus began to spread this story. They heard what had happened. And this is where we picked up the story in verse 17. When that story became known by the people living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear and held the name of the Lord in high honor. Now here's where it gets interesting, and this is where we're going to finish here because this is the point I want you to go home with today. It says that in verse 18, many who had believed now went and openly confessed what they had done. Now took their books of sorcery and witchcraft and turned them in and they burned them collectively together. It says many who had believed, they already believed. See, they knew Jesus they had faith in Jesus. They, they were believers, but, but now they came and confessed and repented. So the word says that we're saved by grace through faith. It's Jesus who saves us, and as soon as we believe in him, we are saved, and our sin and the condemnation of our sin is removed. These are believers, but they hadn't yet repented. See, they put their faith in Jesus, but their faith didn't exactly touch their hands and their feet, their practices, the things that they were doing. And all of a sudden, this extreme case comes up, and they realize, oh, Jesus is an actual person. It's not just a, something I say. It's not some kind of spell or something that I can use. And now that I tap into that power because I have access to it, there's more than that. It's somebody that I need to know. The demons themselves know the power of Jesus. I need to know him. And this is why they were seized with fear, the reality that they need God. And that fear drove them to honor the name of Jesus. Now they didn't just look at him from a distance. Now they realized, I need to get close to him. It's not something I need to know about, but I need to know him personally. This is what they came to the realization of. And now they repented. Now they took their old ways and said, now it's time to do something and make them the old ways and not the current ways. Change what I'm doing. Change their actions. So my question is this. It says that they were believers, but they hadn't repented. They were still doing all these things. Were they still, were they Christians at that time? What would you say to that? Yes? It's good. I think about this. I think about John chapter 2. In John chapter 2, it tells us that Jesus went into the temple, the place of God, where God's presence resided. He went into the temple and he saw these money changers, bankers, 
people giving out loans, people selling animals in the temple, in God's house, where his presence was. And he saw this, and it says that he, he, uh, righteous anger came over him, and he came over and overturned the tables and kicked all these people out. It says that he actually took time to manufacture with his hands a whip. So this wasn't like he lost his temper and just, I can't take, he calmly went and made a whip. And then calmly went and said, now it's time to clean the temple. <laughs> and then he just went to town with that thing, just whipping people and got them out of there. He said, this is God's house. This doesn't belong in my father's house. Was that temple, even though it was being treated like a farmyard, was that temple still God's house? Absolutely it was God's house, but it needed cleansing because it was being treated and abused, and it was inappropriately being, being treated. Well, sometimes we, as believers, we have our faith in Christ, and we are, like the Word teaches us, the temple. We have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's inside of us. He's in us. But even as he is in us, there's a question that we have to confront ourselves with. Even though as he is in us, have we repented? Have the things inside of me been cleansed? Are there things in there that are not appropriate, that don't belong there? What in me is the Holy Spirit trying to say, hey, this needs to go because me and this thing don't go together. It needs to be cleansed. It needs to be removed. This is interesting because the believers here in Ephesus, they sat and met with Paul. It says on a daily basis they went to the lecture hall and they were learning about the Lord. And still, it took this extreme circumstance for them to finally realize, whoa, these aren't just concepts to talk about that are intriguing to my intellect. This is real life. And when that thing came, it was like a wake-up call to them. That's what they needed to jolt them awake for their conviction of the Holy Spirit to say, this is real. You need to let yourself be cleansed. See, sorcery was a huge thing in Ephesus. Witchcraft was all over the place. That's why it says, not only did they openly confess what they had done, but they took all their books of sorcery and turned it in. It says 50,000 drachmas is millions of dollars. One drachma is a day's wage. 50,000 days wages they burned in a fire in a day because they finally recognized that it was Jesus's name who needed to be revered and not these books of incantations and power and so that when they recognized this they said I got to do something about this the cleansing of the temple is something that is ongoing it's not a one and done thing when we believe and we have faith in Christ, we are saved and we become that temple, but the cleansing is ongoing. Those of you who live in your own house, you know, or especially if you have kids, you know, you know as soon as that house is clean, as soon as all the laundry is done, let a couple hours go by and go back and look in their room or look in the laundry room or look in the floor of the bathroom. <laughs> There's going to be more cleaning that needs to be done. You are, if your faith is in Christ, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He's inside of you. God lives in you. But there's cleaning that needs to be done. And if we ignore it, then guess what happens to the piles if you, let, if you ignore them? They don't go away. They increase. They get worse. If we tolerate things in our life, if we tolerate things that are a mess, then guess what? They don't go away on themselves, and they don't stay the same. 
they grow, they increase. Until one day you go to your drawer and say, I'm out of underwear. Where's all my underwear? <laughs> all of your clothes, all, your whole house becomes a mess. See, the Christian life is something that we need to be intentional about. If we are not intentionally cleaning the temple, in other words, growing in our walk with the Lord, then the things are going to be entering into us at all times, pulling us very gently and delicately away. So slowly and so subtle that we don't even acknowledge it until something extreme happens to say, wake up, look at your condition. You need to clean this place. And this, this is why, I'm going to leave us here with this. This is why the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the rebuke of God, is such a blessing. God's rebuke is not a curse. It's a blessing. That's a gift. When God gives us this opportunity to, to open our eyes and see like, whoa, what am, I, what am I compromising? What am I accepting into my life? I can't believe I've gotten to this point. That's a wake-up call. That's a gift. It's, it's, it's not, it's not a, a painful thing. It's a, it's a gentle, loving action that our God does. I love how one, one person I heard say it this. They said, God's rebuke is like a love song being sung over my life. It's not an angry thing. Angel, how, could you, how dare you do this? Get over there and clean up your mess. No, no. That's not how a loving father rebukes their child. The rebuke of God, Elijah, come here. The rebuke of God, you're getting a little too big. Here we go. The rebuke of God looks like this. Son, I love you. That thing you got going on over there is, is not, it's not good for you. That's not who you are. It's not who I am. It's not us. Let's work on that together. I love you. This, that's the rebuke of God. He's not smacking us upside down the head all around the room. It's a loving, gentle, like, son, daughter, you can do better. This isn't good for you. This is hurting you, and I don't like seeing you hurt, especially when you don't even see it happening. The Lord wants to cleanse our temple. The Lord wants us to be whole. Why? So he can go and show, show the house and like, oh, company's coming. Throw everything in the closet. Oh, look how clean it is. No, no, no. He wants our house clean and whole for our own good. This is our mental, spiritual, physical health, all of these things wrapped in one. He wants you to be well. He wants his perfect shalom to exist in our lives, not from time to time. Every moment, every day, from the beginning of our lives for all of eternity, unbroken wholeness. And it comes as we accept the fact that there's cleaning that needs to be done. There's things that I need to confront and rebuke from my life, reject it from my life. And as I accept that, now we do the work to do, to do the cleansing and allow the Holy Spirit to work that in my spirit. And now, day after day, I become more light. The peace of God reigns over my heart and guards my life in every way. This is his desire and will for every one of us. And so pray the, the, the prayer, asking for that blessing of that conviction. Show me what you want to do, Lord, because I'm all yours. 
Not just giving him our lips, but giving him our hearts so that he can do the cleaning in us. Let's pray together, family. Look at that. See, I went a few minutes over. <laughs> let's, let's pray, guys. God, I thank you so much that you love us so well. I thank you, Father, that when there's things inside of us, even where we have actively rejected your word, you still come and gently love us and carry us back to where we strayed from. And I thank you this, for this too, that no matter how far we stray, no matter how long we go away into our own dealings, whatever we want apart from you, we don't have to wander and try to find our way back to where we lost our path, but you're always right there. If we've strayed for years and we want to come back to you, all we need to do is turn to the side and there you are with your arms wide open, loving us comforting us and counseling us. In our hearts in this place, God, we accept your perfect, unbroken wholeness. And we acknowledge that to maintain that, there's a cleansing that needs to be done within us. And so, Lord, we invite the cleaners into our heart. We invite your cleaning power within us, God. Bring us to this place where we repent and we turn over to you all those things in our lives, all those attitudes of our heart. And we leave that to the wayside and we turn in the other direction and we now move towards you and not away. We are your people. We will honor your name. And it's because of the power of the Holy Spirit in us to do that cleaning work. We love you. In your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.